Report recorded live on the third largest moon in our solar system, Callisto. Knock him down and he'll get right back up again. Coming on stronger than a powered-up Pac-Man. Your host, Icy Robots. Greetings, Earth people. I am from Jupiter. It is me again, Icy Robots. I am not a hero, but I do sacrifice a bit of my week each and every week to make your week a bit less weak. And this week, it's going to get a lot less weak. We got a ton of fun stuff. We're going to talk about a birthday party. We're going to talk about a movie I saw called Keeping Up with the Joneses. We're going to talk about another CW character. This one is known as Wild Dog. We're going to talk about just all sorts of fun stuff. We are going to have a great time. So without further ado, let's do it. Check one, two. Yo, ISR man. I don't understand this man. Yo, you've got to slow down, man. You're losing him. Radio suckers never play me. Back numb nuts, you are listening to the Toys R Us Report, the world's most dangerous podcast. It is in the content in which lies the danger, I suppose. So let me give you some dangerous content. Had a uh, had a big birthday party this last weekend. You guys have heard me say that I'm I've been super stressed out about things. I've had a lot going on. Well, this was this was one of the big things going on. It was 2.0's 15th birthday. Her uh, quinceanera as it were, and we had just a ton of planning, and it's not just the planning, it's the stress. I don't know, I don't know if you guys do this, but I really, I stress out about future events. It's, it's a problem I have, and I, I try to work on it, because there is absolutely no use in it, because it hasn't come yet, you can't do anything about it, you might as well not even fret about it. The same with the past, but I think the past is even worse, because... We've all had bummy things happen in the past, and the best thing you can do is just leave them there because, once again, you can't do anything about it. All you can do about it is the present. So, you really should do your best to be in the present moment as much as you can. But, honestly, you know, aside from that, we had this big birthday party, and I, I was really stressing about it, man. Uh, just so much work and so much everything with tons of friends, tons of family, which is great, but. You know, you have to prepare to take care of all the family and all the friends. And that is, that's work. You know, it's good work. It's the Lord's work. And it's all good in the hood. The party turned out great. We had a fantastic time. Everybody just had a great time. It was awesome. But I wouldn't even be telling this story. But there was... I, at one point, I got stuck talking to this this small girl. And I don't want to say stuck because she was very nice and she was cool. But... You know, she was a small girl, like five or six. I think she said she was five. And I'm trying to make small talk. And I go, hey, what are you going to be for Halloween? And this is where things really start to hit off. She goes, oh, I'm going to be Ray. And I said, really? You're going to be Ray? Ray is my favorite. I I think that's really cool. I said, you know, I'm trying to keep the conversation going because we hit on Star Wars. I go, so who who do you think uh, Ray's parents are? And she says, I've thought about it. And I think that they are probably... Luke Skywalker and Princess Leia. And I go, no, it can't be them because they're brother and sister. And she goes, 
well, why not? And that's just a whole different conversation. So I decided to steer it off in, in a different direction. And I said, I think that her parents are Han Solo and Princess Leia. And she goes, no, they can't be because they are uh, Kylo Ren's parents. And I said, I think they're brother and sister. saw her eyes get super wide like she couldn't even believe this like the idea had never even as much as crossed her mind she's like I wish <laughs> I wish I had a camera an animated gift of a, an animated gif of a reaction would just be it would be fantastic the party turned out great I had a nice time the best conversation I had was with a five-year-old weird I guess Right after after we got home for the party, I, I you know flicked on the tube, just wanting to relax. I still I still feel tense, but the the purge purge anarchy was on. That's the one with Frank Grillo. That's Purge Two, the one in the middle. And I watched that for a while, and it's cool. I like it. I'm really into the purge. But it got me thinking, if the purge was like a real thing, it goes you know I think it's March 22nd from 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. There is no law. You can't go ahead and, like, blow up buildings. There's a limit to the size of the uh, artillery you can use. You can use machine guns and rifles and whatever, but no dynamite, no grenades, no bombs, no no uh, dirty nukes. Just, you know, whatever you can normally get a hold of over at the uh, gun shop. And people go bug nutty on each other. The rich hide inside their, their castles, you know. They protected it with steel gates and all, all kinds of stuff but for normal dudes like us uh you gotta wonder what would you be doing on the day of the purge what would you be doing for those 12 hours there's no way in the world that you'd be sleeping if you did you'd be nuts because anything can happen you got to be out there ready to protect yourself but how would you do it i was thinking about this i I have a very small amount of welding ability from shop and stuff. I think I think that I could, you know, pick it up with some YouTube videos, improve it, work on it, get better. And I might make those big, like, spiky balls that they would use in World War II to block off tanks. You know what I'm talking about? I would get some girders, and I would weld some of those uh, tank stoppers and, like, wire razor wire through it. But then one has to wonder... By making it more difficult to get into your house, do you think that you're going to make crazy purgers more want to get into your house? Or do you think that they would just go to the house next door? I don't know. Either way, I think I might do this. And then you might want to make, like, a turret of some kind that you could put on, on your roof. We're lucky enough at the Earth Station. Honestly, what I would do is I'd probably just get the the family and head up to the Jupiter moon base. But I don't... I don't know if the Commodore would allow it. He, he's a bit strict about visitors. But if I was stuck down here on the Earth base, I I think I might put a turret of some kind. May, not a turret necessarily, but some kind of armored emplacement. Probably out of bricks. I may, might like some kind of brick uh, enclosure on my roof that I could shoot out of at people who were on the street. And, you know, make it so I could see out of all sides and... uh it might be that, you know, me and the wife are up there just, you know, keeping watch all night, just busting shots at anybody who might want to come near the house. It's it's not the best, but one has to wonder, what would you do to defend yourself? You got to think this is, uh, you know, you have financial problems. You know, you can't just go ahead and say, I'm going to get a rocket launcher and a helicopter because you don't have the money for that. You got to think about what do I, 
what would I be able to do within my means? And as it is, you know, the purge was meant in the movies as a way to clean out the the lower rungs of society and make it, you know, more, uh, you know, more of a pleasant place for the rich. You, you might fall that way. It's tough. It's like if there's people out there and they're determined, they're going to get inside your house. And not a lot you could do if they have more people, more guns. But what would you do with the resources you could get your hands on to protect your house? I realize the tank stoppers is a bit. It is probably past my means, but I would try. I think I would try to create some kind of obstacles with a razor wire to keep people from getting near the house, but that doesn't stop them from firing at the house. So I might just, you know, I'm up all night hiding behind a, a pile of bricks, shooting at people with whatever is the best gun I could get my hands on. Hit me up on Twitter at IC Robots. That's I S E Robots. Uh, or Facebook, that's even better. The Facebook group is facebook.com backslash robots. I-S-E-E robots. That's where more stuff goes on. I prefer that format. That's just me. I'm a fuddy-duddy. So hop on over there. Let me know. Just post with uh, some purge ideas. How would you protect yourself in the event of the purge? So let's move into the middle portion of the show where we talk about a movie I recently saw this week. It is uh, Keeping Up With The Joneses. Yo, ISR, they think we're taking shorts, man. Show them, Mrs. Cold Medina. Come on, kick it. In a moment, at the movies, without Ebert, Siskel, or even that dude Roper. But you got Icy Robot, so that's something, right? If being a mother is the greatest job on earth... Is the second best. And they're not just boys. Welcome to the sexy and exciting world of international espionage. Bea and Jeff have a thing. We do it really fast in case the kids come running into our room. Hmm. This is a national security situation. We need your help. You want to be Karen the nuke or Karen the strong? Stand back. Would you get that? Check out this dead guy. Right, totally no, no, just no, broke good, the window. Good. Keeping up with the Joneses. Rated PG 13. This past week, in need of a respite from party planning and all other uh, type nonsense, we we got out to the movies and we saw a flick called Keeping Up With The Joneses. Despite me complaining about not having enough time to do stuff, I have in fact seen just about <laughs> every, every movie out, so we were looking for something new and this opened last Friday, so we, we decided to uh, check it out. I like Isla Fisher, and she's in this movie, so, you know, I thought it would be fun, um... Let's see what is going on with the Joneses over at Rotten Tomatoes. It is presently at 21% with the critics certified rotten. And with the peeps, with the U's and the me's, it is also certified rotten at 47%. The movie stars Isla Fisher, Zach Galifianakis, John Hamm, and Gal Gadot. Is it Gal Gadot or is it Gal Gadot? I have no idea. It is directed by Greg Matola, who did... Super bad, and he did a lot. What he did something else was really good. Let's hop on over and take a peek. He did Super Bad, which is at 88 tomatoes, and he did Adventure Land, which is at 89 tomatoes. I like Adventure Land quite a bit. So the basic idea of the movie is that the Joneses, played by Isla Fisher and Zach Galifianakis, are. They're in a bit of a rut. Their life is in a rut. He has a job. She's a housewife. Things are boring when some exciting new neighbors move in across the street. The Joneses, played by played by John Hamm and Gal Gadot. Um, 
they're cool, they're hip, you know, they have an exciting life. He's a travel writer, and she, I believe she runs a charity, and they're cool, they're good-looking, they're fun, and all that good stuff, and it also turns out they are spies, and that is where, that is where the hilarity takes off. The movie's alright, it's not great, it's not terrible, it's not terrible by any means, but it's not, it's not great. I did get... I did get some laughs out of it. I had some fun. It was nice to get away and go see. Uh, I think Isla Fisher is great. I think she's charming and she's in it. Not only is she in it, she wears two or three or four different sexy costumes, which is nice. And she has a scene with Gal Gadot Gadot where they are together in their undergarments. And in this scene... I lost all doubt that I might have had, which wasn't a lot of doubt, that Gal Gadot should Gadot be playing uh, Wonder Woman. If if it was ever in doubt, after seeing her in her uh, knickers, it is no longer in doubt. She's a wonderful woman, and she's going to be great. I don't know if that was the intent of the movie, but that's the intent I got out of it. Look, it was alright. It wasn't great if... You happen to be home on a Saturday night, like a year and a half from now, and the movie comes on HBO or on Stars. You might want to watch it. You might want to tape it for later in the week and watch it then. There are enough funny parts in it to make it worthwhile, but you know, there you don't have to rush out and see it. You know, not not at all. Uh, you know, you don't even really have to see it. Honestly, if you like Isla Fisher, like I do, you might want to because she's not in she's not in a ton of movies these past few years. At one point, she was in, she was in a lot of things, and then, I guess she got married, she had a baby, you know, she moved on with life, and it is fun to see her, you know, it's fun to see her on the screen, she's one of my faves, she's a cute, uh, little redhead, and when she plays unhinged, it's always kind of interesting, so, I don't know, man, I'm gonna give it, like, three stars, three mics on the source meter, if that, maybe even, like, two and a quarter mics if if she wasn't in it if Gal Gadot Gadot wasn't in her uh, unmentionables then you're looking at a two star movie so take that for what it is we will be back in a sec with an exciting feature known as Who's Who in the DC Comics Universe Up next what's sure to be an awesome segment Who's Who in the DC Comics Universe you're welcome in advance this is actually two weeks in a row that we have done Who's Who in the DC Comics Universe, where in which we take a look at some interesting character out of uh, DC Comics through the lens of the seminal 80s miniseries known as Who's Who in the DC Comics Universe, where they, much like an encyclopedia would, take a look at all of the cool guys they've created. This week, we're going to be taking a look at another member of Team Arrow. Last week, we took a peek at the Ragman. This week, it's a different dude. This guy goes by the name of Wild Dog. Wild Dog is a bit different than a lot of DC characters were at the time when he was invented back in uh, 1987. The idea of a vigilante using guns to go out there and bust a cap on the crooks, that's that's Wild Dog's gimmick. He I'm a, I apologize. I assume that you have seen Arrow and you know that Wild Dog runs around and blaps at dudes with machine guns or machine pistols. Seems like he always has machine pistols or just, you know, like automatic handguns. I don't even know, but he's running around busting on dudes. And 
that was not the vogue at the time in the DC Comics universe. Most of the guys were truth and justice types like Superman or whatever, but they decided they needed to try to match some of the gritty realism that was taking place over in Marvel with like the Punisher and the Fool Killer or whoever. So they came up with their own dude known as Wild Dog and Wild Dog wore a hockey jersey and a hockey mask and he would basically go out there and shoot at guys. He would go out there and, and he would shoot them up. And that was that was wild. That was edgy. But it was also... I think a lot of people saw through it. And they realized that it wasn't... It's like it wasn't real. It wasn't like real edge. Like the Punisher had. It was sort of a fabricated edge of DC following along. So Wild Dog didn't have the longest run in the active universe. So when he popped up as part of Team Arrow on the... DCW Universe show Arrow, it was exciting because even though at the time a lot of us thought Wild Dog was Cornpone, it was Cornpone that in retrospect we enjoyed the flavor of. What even is Cornpone? In my mind, Pone is some kind of a mash like ground up corn and maybe with like milk or water, or, you know, maybe sweetened a bit with some kind of sugar. I don't know. I have no idea. It may be something like polenta, or as you in the South call it, grits. I imagine it's like corn grits, maybe pwned. I have no idea. any rate, he was pwned that you, in retrospect, did enjoy. So when he popped up, it was cool. Let's, uh, let's take a look at good old Wild Dog, and we'll see what we can learn. His first appearance was in Wild Dog number one. His alter ego is that of Jack Wheeler. He is an auto mechanic. He is single. His group affiliation is that he was formerly part of the Marines. His base of operations is the Quad Cities. I read about that, and I went out and I bought an issue of Wild Dog Number 1 on eBay. I think I paid like 7 or $8. I talked about this a few episodes back. I thought it could be not so much an investment, but it would. It was low enough that it could only go up, but... In the back, they have an essay from the dude who created and wrote Wild Dog. And he said that one day he was sitting around and he came up with this idea, a thought rather. Why are all of the heroes in major metropolises? Isn't it that Ohio or Iowa would also have their own hero? So he came up with this guy, Wild Dog, who was a corn pone fed country boy mechanic who becomes a vigilante and... That kind of separated him from a lot of characters because he was running out of, you know, second-tier cities such as Quad City or, you know, Iowa City or whatnot. And, you know, this may have made him a bit different. It's interesting that in Team Arrow, they've kind of switched him to being like a more of an urban vigilante type operating in Starling City. And at any rate, let's see, let's see what we can learn about our boy Wild Dog. A star athlete in high school, Jack Wheeler went to college on a football scholarship, but after an injury forced him off the team... Jack was faced with no scholarship, and he had to leave school. As a result, he signed up for the Marines, and he did a tour of duty. While he was stationed in Beirut, he witnessed a scene that would stay forever in his memory. A terrorist truck loaded with explosives crashed through the gate and into the U.S. Embassy, and it killed dozens of diplomats as well as Marines. Disheartened and bitter over the loss of his friends, Jack returned to the Midwest. I guess they tried to get him for another term, and he's just like, you know what, man? This, it's ill over here. It's ill. I'm going back home. So he went back home to the Quad Cities where he fell in love with Claire Smith. The two had been attending night classes at the State University when once again tragedy struck. 
On the way home from a carnival, a gang full of dudes jumped up and they started blasting at the bus and they killed Claire. No! 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 Because it turns out that Claire's real last name was Carmonte and she is in fact the daughter of a notorious mob boss. So to get revenge, they blasted up the bus, but this drove Jack Wheeler over the edge. <laughs> He headed home to grab the hockey mask. He grabbed the jersey from the local team and it's revenge. And tears in his eyes, he went down and he took care of the guys. He collapsed Claire. Wheeler first caught the public's eye when he fought the Committee for Social Change, a domestic terrorist organization operating in the Quad City area. That's interesting because that is kind of something we're dealing with now. These, like, Midwestern homegrown militia type, homegrown terror type units. I don't know, man. I don't know enough about it, but it looks like the Committee for Social Change ran into a wild dog. And I believe this took place in episode, or issue rather, number one of Wild Dog. What happens is the recently uh, reopened a renovated movie theater. And at first, the Committee for Social Change, they blow it up. I don't know what their agenda is, but they want to blow up some buildings. And this is the first one they do. And then the next thing they do is they, uh, they take a bunch of hostages and... Wild Dog goes in there and, you know, against the orders of the chief and against the orders of the cops, he busts in and he starts busting on guys. And this all gets captured on the news and they see they see the logo of the local team, you know, the Wild Dogs, and they see the colors and the gear and they're just like, this is it, this is our guy, this is our local guy, and they dub him Wild Dog in all the media. So Jack's out there and he's fighting terrorists and he's fighting the mob, but... One good thing did come from all this after a bit of, after a bit of a wait, you know, they got like legal wranglings and all sorts of stuff. It turns out that Claire had, in fact, left Jack as the sole beneficiary of all of her lifelong wealth. You know, she, she's a mobster's daughter. She's got some grip. She's got some wop and she left it all to Jack, and he decided, I'm going to use this money, I'm going to use this money in her name to fight crime, and this is how, this is how he gets his initial funding to start being Wild Dog, and I bet you, you know, he put some of it into, like, his mechanic business, because you gotta have, like, a fake front if you're going to be a vigilante, so the idea that he ran a successful automotive shop definitely would go a long way toward covering up the idea that he might be the, uh, nighttime lunatic known as Wild Dog. Let's, uh, Let's take a quick break right here. We're going to check out this DC Comics commercial, and we will be right back with some more Wild Dog. DC. Incredible. Action. Astonishing. Adventure. The coolest heroes. The hottest heroines. And the most outrageous villain for TV in the universe. These ain't your daddy's comic books, fanboy. The DC Comics. Comics on Parade. Visit us at our temporary location, 11 West Korea. That commercial is so interesting. DC was just trying so hard at that time to, to break out of the mold of being, you know, the truth and justice comic company. But man... That's what you have going for you. That's your thing. That's what people look to DC for. They don't so much look to DC for gritty, even though they do have some gritty stuff. Don't get me wrong. They got, you know, the whole Vertigo line that they had, rather, and they got Batman. And they, they do, they do definitely have that. But I think 
for the most part, people want, like, cool, not necessarily happy, but more, let's say, classic-style stories out of DC, and that commercial is really just interesting to me because it sort of flows into what was going on over there, and that sort of attitude that led to the creation of a character like Wild Dog. He was really atypical for what DC was doing. They weren't so much into the, you know, gun-toting, vigilante, punisher types. They had, you know, the All-Star Squadron, and they told stories of the Golden Age, and they had things like that, and at the time, he was just so different that he did catch my attention, so... I remember reading Wild Dog when it came out. I, I would use my lunch money to buy comics. That was that was my gimmick. A comic at the time was like 75 cents or so. And I would use my lunch money to buy comics. And I remember distinctly the the hockey mask that he was wearing caught my attention. It was... If you listen to the Halloween episode of uh, Saturday Frights over at Retroist.com that you know Vic Sage was kind enough to invite me to be on... That's uh, the, you know, the 2016 special, so if you check that out, you see that, or you hear, that I did have, like, a fear of uh, Jason Voorhees, uh, and, you know, the hockey mask really caught caught my attention. I think that it was meant to. I think when you think, you know, violence and slashers, a hockey mask is one of the first things you think of, and I, I don't think that the, putting one on a wild dog was coincidental, but he didn't last long. He had his miniseries, and and really that was that. You didn't see Dude, didn't hear from Dude, but as time passes on, the people who are doing the creating start to, you know, they they become people who are of your generation. You know, you move into that, and people do remember Wild Dog of our generation, and there have been some moves to bring him back. He popped up during the Infinite Crisis, one of the big DC events you... You see him only, like, as a background character. Not so much, you know, he's not in the main forefront or anything. But you see him in there, along with a bunch of other dudes fighting the secret society of supervillains. And then he, uh, and then he repopped up again in Booster Gold number 6. Booster had some kind of a gimmick where he created an alternate universe. And over in that world, Maxwell Lord, the evil Maxwell Lord. We talked about him in a back episode of, uh, Who's Who in the DC Comics Universe. Dude was running the whole, the whole deal. He was in charge of the whole planet, and Wild Dog is part of a resistance force to fought against him. Unfortunately, Maxwell Lord got a hold of him and used his mind control powers and forced Wild Dog to to bust a cap in himself. Very sad. Uh, what a way to go out. Out like a sucker. Too bad for you. Then, I got this, uh, this comic pulled over at, at Comics for the Win, my comic shop. Uh, I got a, you know, a subscription to a bunch of titles over there, and... When I go in, Tatiana just goes to the box, and she grabs them, and she hands them to me, and it's great. I don't really have to wait around. I don't have to look. I can in and out, get what I want, and I get my stack, and I'm flipping through them, and there's a book called uh, Cave Carson Has a Cybernetic Eye, and I go, oh, hey, I don't I don't think that this is for me, and then, uh, you know, the, the wife is there, and she looks at it, and she goes, oh, Gerard Way wrote that, and I go, Gerard Way is... You know, he's the dude, the lead singer dude from My Chemical Romance, and that was one of 2.0's favorite groups. And at one point, she told me to get an auto-record for anything Gerard Way and that she would read it. So, here it is. Cave Carson has a cybernetic eye by Gerard Way is in my comic book box. So, I said, alright, I'll take it. And I got home and I showed it to her, and 
she wasn't overly interested, so I might cancel the subscription, but I decided, you know, I'm going to read the comic. I'll check it out. Who knows? Maybe it's great. And it is actually, the art is done by uh, Michael Avon Oming, who does Powers, which I like, so there's a familiarity there, and... So I dig into it. I like Cave Carson. He's kind of an older character. His his deal is he has a ship that allows him to burrow into the uh, interior of the Earth. And he goes down there and he has adventures. It's cool. I like it. I think he's a cool character. I could really see somebody being able to do some things with what you might find in the center of the Earth. But they went down there and they found like demons and stuff. And demons aren't my thing. So I didn't really dig it all that much. I didn't. It was well written. It was fine. I'm just not a demons guy, but when I get to the last page, you see uh, Cave Carson's doctor's on the phone to somebody, like an operative off somewhere, and, you know, it's going to be like the big reveal. Who is this operative? And then you flip the last page, and you see it's a wild dog. Dude is looking into the closet, and he has the wild dog outfit there, and he's like, don't worry, I'll get the dog on. And so, I might have to keep the book just to see what uh, wild dog's up to. I don't know. I was It was a pleasant surprise. Uh, maybe he's going to blap on some demons or something you never know it could be fun but i don't know let's uh pop on over to ebay and take a peek at what some of these wild dog comics are going for i like to see the first appearance i told you already got one i bought it for like seven or eight bucks so let's see here is one listed for two dollars or best offer but it has nine dollars shipping so around you know eleven twelve dollars and then yeah uh, let's look at the solds here's a sold for $14.99, that seems a bit high, here's one for $6.99, $4.99, it looks like people are listing them low, and people are grabbing them up, because there is, there's quite a few solds in here, uh, I might have been able to get one cheaper than I got, but when I went to get it, I just, I look, you know, I grabbed the first one I saw, it seemed, I think it was $7.95, it seemed like a fair enough price, you know, shipped to my house, because you know the shipping on something like that's like $3, so... I was really only paying four, and I don't know, it seemed okay, but I probably could have got it for less if I looked around, but, uh, I think that's about it. I think that's all, all there is to know about Wild Dog. If you want to know any more, you know, hit me up if you have any questions, at Icy Robots, that's I-S-E-E-R-O-B-O-T-S, on Twitter, hit me up, and we will, I don't know, we talk about it, it'll be fun, get to know each other a bit better. Let's go into the... Last part of the show, the Toys R Us board itself. You've made it this far. It's time. The final segment, your weekly toy shop update, the Toys R Us report. All right, we are back for the final part of the show, the Toys R Us report, where we just talk about various news happenings or whatever's going on and whatever, but it's kind of loose, kind of free form, uh... Let's start off with a bit of action figure news. Just got word that Funko is going to come out with a set of E.T. Uh, reaction figures. E.T. the Extraterrestrial is going to be like a four-pack, like a box set. I actually saw this on my boy Engineer Nerds page. You can find him over at uh, tvandfilmtoys.com. Dude is great. At Engineer Nerd on the tweet. Uh, so I saw this over on his deal. You're going to get E.T. and Elliot, of course. Obviously, it looks like E.T. has a miniature speaking spell. That might, that might drive me to buy the whole thing. I, you know, I like E.T., but it's not, it's not my jam. I, I do dig it, but I, you know, I don't collect it. But I sometimes go for, like, these really small accessories that you don't see other places. And I might, 
if it turns out that E.T. winds up on clearance and I can get it for, you know, nine bucks or twelve bucks, I might go for it just for this, uh, speak and spell. It's the one that he uses in the movie to help him communicate. Then you got Elliot, like I said. You got, you got, uh, E.T., obviously, and then you got Gertie. Dude, sometimes I am so dumb. It's only a three-pack. I wonder who, I wonder who the fourth figure would be if there were such a fourth figure. Maybe one of the, the secret agents coming after him, uh, I don't know, uh, who cares, uh, also, there is going to be a single-packed E.T., this E.T. is kind of like a variant on the first one, I, I think this is an Entertainment Earth exclusive, but I'm not positive about that, but what makes him different is, his finger is glowing, like when he has those healing powers, and his heart in his chest glows, I, I wonder how they're gonna be doing that, do you think it's gonna be, like, a clear plastic, maybe, you know, like, a orange-colored, who, who knows, we will see, but, that's coming out in early 2017. Did did you guys watch the World Series? Did you watch that Game 7? We don't normally talk about sports, and I know I already did a breaking audio, uh, breaking news audio on this, but man, that was such a fabulous game. The Cleveland Indians versus the Chicago Cubs. The Cubs broke a streak 108 years without a World Series. That is just, um, that is such a long angle. That just goes on forever. There's this idea that Inside of a TV show, there's always a central storyline. For example, uh, what's it called? Friends. The central storyline of Friends would be Rachel and Ross. The central storyline of Cheers would be Sam and Diane. It's not always romance. It could be, could be anything. Uh, but in the in baseball, it has seemed like the central storyline might be. The struggle of the Cubs to win the World Series. I mean, this has been going on for 108 years, and everybody knows about it. It's one of it's one of the main central things of baseball that the Cubs are the lovable losers, and they have this curse on them. Well, just this past week, that curse was lifted. They won. It was amazing. I watched it. I I have a connection to the team through my family, like I said, and I you know wanted this for my dad so bad I, I sat on the couch like at first the Cubs were up and that felt good I felt really safe about it because they have great relief pitching and the Cubs were up and I felt good but then the Indians fought back the Indians are good they fought back the game was tied and they went into extra innings there was a rain delay and just for, for the longest time I was on the couch like hugging a towel. I had a towel there. We were folding laundry, and I was like, I was like hugging this towel, like I was so tense. <laughs> and I, when the Indians came back, I said, "This has to be it. This has to be it." The Cubs, the Cubs just don't have it in them. They, the it's the, the history, the curse, whatever. I just couldn't imagine that they would win, but then they came back and they won in extra innings, and it was beautiful, and the world cheered, and. I, you know what, I'm not, I'm not afraid to admit it, I cried, I had a tear, it was just so tense, and so, so important, uh, you know, I grew up with Chicago Cubs memorabilia all through the house, and, you know, I myself was raised in California, I'm an Oakland A's fan, athletics, and, you know, I see my dad, I see my dad with this Cubs thing going on, this Cubs love that he has, and I just, I never felt as if, he was going to get to see the win. It just didn't seem... It's been 108 years. After that long, it doesn't seem like... It just doesn't seem like... Uh, 
it's never going to happen, but it happened. And I'm really happy that it did. And I'm sorry you have to hear it again. Sorry you got to hear it one more time. I apologize, but it's just, it's on my mind. I'm really thinking about it. Uh, over in Marvel Comics and Iron Man, this is kind of old news too, but this is written by Brian Michael Bendis, who does Powers, and he did the great Daredevil, and he's writing the Civil War right now. He He's taken the character of Tony Stark's and he's kind of pushed him into retirement. Like Stark realizes like his company's falling apart. Everything's falling apart when he realizes he can retire. It's because he comes across a protege of sorts, this girl named Riri Williams. And she has been building Iron Man armor on her own. And in her, he sees like she can, she can take over for me. So he decides I'm, I'm going to retire. So they actually went as far as to end the comic and then they're going to restart it with Riri Williams as Iron Man. Her name isn't going to be Iron Man. It will be Iron Heart, which is okay. I think they missed out on a big opportunity here to call her the Iron Maiden. That's what I would have done. Uh, you're owned by Disney. You can work out some kind of a deal with the band Iron Maiden to let you use the name. You know, it's not like you're using it to form a band. You're naming a character after. You can work something out. You got Disney money. You can figure it out. Uh... And, you know, maybe you could promise them, hey, if there's ever an Iron Maiden uh, movie, you know, we'll get your songs on the soundtrack. You'll get double paid. I don't know. You can figure it out. But I do feel like they dropped the ball. Iron Maiden is the money name. Iron Heart's all right. But who knows? Maybe they did try and they couldn't work it out. Maybe Bruce Dickinson's just not willing to sell his, you know, this intellectual property to to Marvel. But who wouldn't? You know, Marvel's cool, man. Marvel's the best. So, oh, hey. I might, you know, I probably should have said this earlier. This, uh, this upcoming week is my birthday and I'm going to be taking a week off from the Toys R Us support, but don't, don't worry. You know, I'm going, I'm going away, uh, but don't worry. I will not leave you high and dry. I'm going to drop a new episode of the, uh, uh, audio handbook of the Marvel Universe. This one's about Star Fox. It's fun. You might not know who he is. He's Thanos' brother. Whereas Thanos is death, Star Fox is love. It's interesting. It's an interesting episode. I, uh, there was a lot of things I didn't know. A lot of things I kind of figure out on the fly about Thanos. Not Thanos. About uh, Eros. That's his name. He's Eros and Thanos, but they call him Star Fox when he becomes an Avenger. And I, you know, I didn't know everything, and I was happy to discover these weird things. I think you're going to like it. That's going to be out next Wednesday instead of this. So I, I, yeah, I didn't want to leave behind dry, but I am, I am going on a trip. So there is that. But, uh... Week after that, back normal is going to be great. Uh, so, I'm going to sign off. This is me, IC Robots. This is Toys R Us Report, episode number 99. Can you believe it when we come back? Episode 100. It's going to be huge. You're going to love it. It's going to be the greatest thing in the world. So, till then. Till then, this is me, IC Robots, Toys R Us Report, episode 99. If you don't know, now you know. has been an IC Robots Radio production. IC Robots Radio is a listener-supported Indaha. If you like what we do and we make your day a little easier, please consider tossing a few bucks our way to help keep the life support running. All money collected goes to help us prepare for future space pirate attacks. Go on over to supportthereport.com for all the details. Thanks and have a great week. Yeah, that's right. This jam is rated Cold Medina, man. That's right, Cold Medina.
We're in E-F-F-E-C-T, otherwise known as effect. Know what I'm saying? So that's a wrap. Great job. Oh, hey, Emily. Uh, I thought that came out pretty good. What do you think? I really think this was a good episode. That wild dog segment was great. I hope you don't think I used too many sound effects. No, no, I thought they were great. I thought you did an awesome job. I really liked it. That's good. Thanks. Hey, I am going to take the Viper out for a patrol. I saw some weird ship out near Europa. A weird ship? What kind of a weird ship? Do you think Do you think it might be the Space Pirates? I don't know who it was and they jumped to warp when I approached. So, so you want to go out and take a look? I just want to make sure that they don't come back. I didn't like the look of them at all. Okay, well, you know, but if you see anything, just hurry back. Uh, and, and be careful. Don't worry. I am always safe. Yeah, I know. I, I, I just worry sometimes. Hey, I saw Iceberg down in the snack shack. Why don't you go down there and see what he is up to? The Commodore sent some kind of a package on the last shipment. One of the boxes looked like some kind of internet jukebox or something. Iceberg was really excited about checking it out. Dude, it's like one of those jukeboxes that can like connect to the internet and download any song. That's cool, man. Uh, yeah, I think I will go down and, and see what Iceberg's up to. Are, are, are you gonna are you gonna come down too? Yeah, I will be there in a few minutes. I just want to go over and check out Europa. Okay, engineer Emily out. See you in a bit. <laughs>